morning, uh, we're going to be looking into uh, Solomon. Um, I, I did a message the other week um, before the snowstorm hit us about Solomon and uh, the gift of wisdom that he requested from God. Uh, I just had the opportunity to ask the kids about, if God came to you in a dream, what would you ask for? And I've, I got all kinds of answers. I got some with wealth, um, some with fame they wanted. Um, some said wisdom. They caught on to the, my message that night. And as well as uh, some said they wanted their mom back or their dad back. And, you know, that hit hard. That hit home for, for some of us. And then uh, some said they'd be in control of the government, uh, that they'd be able to control all the politics that are going on in the world. Um, and then one even said chicken nuggets. And so I got to love the chicken nuggets. And so... Uh, just to recap, though, on Solomon's life, as I said, uh, he uh, was gifted wisdom. Uh, we learned about fearing God for his wisdom and uh, being able to um, go to God during those times of trials. And uh, Solomon, he was the son of David and Bathsheba, and so he was born out of an affair. And uh, he, God blessed him, blessed him with the wealth, blessed him with the fame. Uh, blessed him to give an advice all around the world, um, to be able to uh, uh, give good judgment and be an excellent trader, an excellent merchant. Um, but his wisdom still fell short. Um, he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And his tendencies went towards of worshiping and following other uh, false gods. And so uh, he came to uh, write. Uh, he also wrote the book of uh, uh, majority of Proverbs as well as had some Psalms in there as well. But then he also is the author of Ecclesiastes. And so today we're going to dive into Ecclesiastes and, and talk about the book of vanities. Uh, and that's he starts it off right off the bat. Everything, vanity of vanities. Everything is vanities. Everything is meaningless. The wealth, the fame. And so Ecclesiastes 11, 9 through 10 I'm going to open up in prayer real quick, and then we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you, Lord, for your presence. I thank you for this youth, Lord, for this generation. I, I pray that uh, you penetrate their heart today, that you uh, not only penetrate their heart, but you penetrate their parents' heart, the adults in this room as well, to know that they can uh, come to you, Lord, that you're in control, that you have laid the foundation for us, forgiven your son who's died for our sins, Lord. Lord, I pray that you move in a mighty way. I pray that I get out of the way and let your message be heard. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ecclesiastes 11, 9 through 10 says, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart in the sight of your eyes. As a parent, that can be a little bit intimidating. Walk in the ways of your heart in the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body. For youth and the dawn of life are vanity. I'm going to let you know part of my story, part of my testimony, part of my wife's story today. This resonates deep within me when I read this verse out of Ecclesiastes. Um, the message that I'd want to get and want you to remember, especially the youth, is the time is now. The time is now to get right with God, to pour in his love to other fellow um, friends, um, brothers and sisters, parents, family members, and so forth. And so, 
for the adults, I'm not calling you old. Trust me. I know that this verse is directed mainly at the youth, but we can learn as much as, uh, as well of just being the mentors and the, and the parents and, and raising a family right and raising a family in God's eyes. We were made to rejoice. We were made to worship. And I've got three R's of my points today. Um, the first one is rejoice. Rejoice in your prime. Um, we were made to rejoice when we were made to worship. For me, personally, it was for sports. Growing up, uh, since I was five years old, I played any sport you basically can think of, uh, from soccer, wrestling, basketball, football, baseball. Baseball was my sport, was my dream. I loved it. I was passionate about it. I played from February to November. I played 120 to 160 games a year on travel teams. I didn't do league ball or anything like that. It was a, usually a select team that I dove into. was blessed with all the opportunities and life lessons that came from that sport. I followed my heart, as it was saying, in, as Solomon says in this verse. Followed my heart and had my eyes set on a dream. We all have our eyes set on a dream at one point in our life. And... It came with rewards. I worked my tail off. I, I had rewards with all the first team stuff in high school, first team shortstop, had chance to win a national championship down in Florida, had Division I scholarships to half the Big 12 schools, had all this stuff that was coming at me at a young age and caught the eyes of a lot of major league scouts. I had White, uh, White Sox and Rangers. They had their eyes, and I decided because of that reason I was going to go JUCO, and I was going to only play for a year or two, and I was going to get drafted, had it all lined out, thought through. I didn't matter how much money, I was going to go for a cheeseburger. It didn't matter to me. But I had that all in line, thinking that I was in control. And that I, it, that's the way my story was going to plan out. My freshman year, I came down with Bell's palsy. has paralysis on the right side of my, or it was on my right side of the face, one side of your face. A lot of st stroke-like symptoms, I would say. I actually came down as well with, ironically, a disease called Ramsey-Hunt syndrome that kind of tags along with Bell's palsy as well. And that zapped my energy. Uh, I was dealing with, like, nosebleeds, had to get on steroid-type medication just to try to get my energy back up. This was going into my freshman year at college. I was trying to make an impression on a team and fought these battles. Next thing you know, March came along, season was going, slid into home, dislocated my shoulder. So I was rehabbing my face to get back to normal from drooping. Went right into rehabbing my uh, shoulder. And then uh, right after that with classwork, I was taking 18 hours of class at the time, which wasn't smart. And uh, uh, got to the point where I seen my dream diminishing. I was getting burnt out. I played so many games, um, so many times. wasn't that I didn't have the, the physical ability of the tough mentality to get through practices or the juco style of uh, boot camp, basically what it was. It was just, I was losing that love for the game. And as that came and happened, I realized although I was rejoicing in the sport looking back, uh, I realized I lost my identity. All my life, I grew up on a team. I had teammates to back me up, had parents there to, to help me along the way. And I went to Wichita State, took a year off of baseball, and uh, had a, uh, hit a brick wall. Uh, you know, I fell into um, to partying a lot because I just didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know, you know, everybody on campus was like, are you here on the baseball team? I said, no, because they've heard my name growing through high school or whatever. I said, no, just 
taking it easy. So I was having that identity check of trying to figure out who I was. Um, decided that I wanted to try to go ahead and walk on to Emporia State. I met my wife there at Emporia State. And uh, um, so it was a blessing no matter what, but I didn't have that same passion and desire for the sport that I once loved. Um, and this carried on uh, down the road as I graduated college. I graduated to be a teacher, and uh, it's going to be a history teacher and coach baseball, coach football. And um, at that time, I didn't want to move out to western Kansas, and I didn't want to move up to Montana at the time, and those were my offers. And so I came back and worked with my father. And I've helped him manage a business for 10 years now, installing elevators. It's been a blessing. But during that time, still trying to figure out who I was. And um, my second, second R and point today is remove vexation. And that's, that's in the <clears throat> verse says, remove vexation from your heart and put away your pain from your body. Vexation of anxiety and worry. Um, that's what led me after my identity. I, I started worrying about that, and I really didn't even know it. I didn't um, intend for it, didn't expect it. And at that time, I was going to uh, back and forth traveling to Arc City to work. I was traveling all over the nation, putting these elevators in, and um, I didn't feel at home. I didn't feel a purpose. I didn't feel that fire that I used to have in a sport that I could relate to. And... Seeing that, we lived five years past quick. We had a daughter by then, and we were not plugged into our community whatsoever. And I got to the point, it's like, let's just move down to Arctic City, be closer to work and home, and we can go that route to where, um, since we just don't really know anybody. I knew my friends from baseball, but they were Missouri, Texas, uh, Oklahoma, just all over the place, and still kept in touch with them, but just didn't have a... Have a uh, uh, connection with them, and so and didn't have a connection of here in Derby, and so I started praying for God. To, we were going to church, and I started going to Bible study in my father's uh, at my parents' house, and it consisted of about sixty-year-old guys to as much as eighty-year-old guys, and learning about Jesus and learning about having that firm foundation in Him, and that started working in me. God started moving, and uh, I started. Uh, we started going to church, just hopping around in the Wichita area, and um, it's amazing to see what he did and the doors that he opened and how he used the youth group specifically for me. I've been helping in the youth for three, almost four years now as a leader, and then just obviously took over as a youth pastor. Um, but the, the blessings that he has opened, looking back now, has just been incredible, has been uh, really monumental in my life. And I was dealing during this time with those anxieties and worrisome. 2017 for me, uh, we came and was able to find the well um, by actually, I just drove past going to get groceries on a Wednesday night and looked over and seen the youth out playing ball and, and having all kinds of games going on. It's having an awesome time. I was like, man, something looks like it's going on good there. You got the cars lined up in the street. So I've got to check this out. Well, we had a family dinner the week later my sister, she was involved in a woman's Bible study. And she said, I said, where's it at? She goes, it's at the well. I was like, that's weird. You know, I just drove by the other day, and I was going to tell my wife we should go over and visit and see what it's about. Came there October 2017, and, uh, you know, it wasn't something to just knock you off the feet, but I could feel 
the presence of God moving in this place. And I felt that, and I was like, man, I need more of that. And I wanted to get involved. And so I got into, as I said, volunteering in the youth. And then I realized how God used the youth for me and to help me through the battles that I was fighting. I never knew what anxiety was, never knew what depression was. I, like I said, I was so caught up in the sports, caught up in the ball that I, I was confident enough in myself not to think that uh, someone like me would be able to deal with those. Um, I told the first, uh, first service that, you know, I had a flip phone back in 07 when I was a senior in high school. Now, the challenge is, is that vexation is just outpouring over our community, our youth right now. You got a smartphone that you can access anything at a drop of a hat, and it's an information overload. It's an information overload that causes these negative uh, headlines and stuff that causes these anxieties to come up. And so that was what was happening to me. I was digging into the wrong headlines. I wasn't keeping my eyes focused, but I was figuring out, and God was patient. God was good to let me allow to build this up and build my character to figure out what purpose I had. And my purpose specifically was out of the youth. And so, as I said, fighting depression and anxiety, I didn't know what kind of monster that could be. I didn't um, understand it, and 2017 was a tough year. I found a church, and I felt a place that it might be home for us at that moment, but you can't see into the future, and uh, all I could think of was just keep being consistent, keep going, keep pouring in, keep pouring into my family, and I end up having, during that time, the enemy had plenty of times got the best of me, where I had my first panic attack, where my, you know, arms, hands locked up, couldn't breathe good, heart was palpating, wife was there to comfort me. I mean, it sounds something like such a sissy thing, but it's real. It's, it's, it's so real that what we're dealing with, and everybody I've heard of 11-year-olds having anxiety. And I was just like, what in the world is going on today that 11-year-old is de- dealing with anxiety, dealing with depression? And, and so the enemy was at work on me for having my eyes trying to be focused on, on God. And uh, um, it got to the point where as I volunteered on Wednesday nights, different, I've, we've got leaders in here that have been awesome. Kellen and Leilani and, and Lydia and Carter that was there. Those were the kids that I overseed. And, and Kate and, and Kenna, they, they were there as well to, to invest and see what God was doing in their life and seeing that, wow, like they're young and they've got it figured out on having that foundation. We've got great leaders. It's like, that's what I wanted in me. And it took me 10 years from 18 of that time that I first started dealing with it to about 27 years old where I finally got transformed and found that passion and found that love for Christ, and found that God is in control, not Bryson. I, I've got that type A personality where I see a problem, and I try to fix it. And Bryson couldn't fix that problem. And I tried for three years to fix it myself. And then God started opening these doors with the youth, with the leaders, with friends, with you guys. I consider my family. I know everyone in here, he's put in place that I, they have my family's back. That will lift me up when we're down. There's plenty of times where I was down and didn't think that 
I was going to get out of it. And I had brothers in here that lifted me up. And I had sisters in here that lifted my wife up. And so third R of today is remember. In Ecclesiastes 12.1, it says, Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. This is Solomon's version of Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The tough days will come and we need to be prepared. Seek God and you'll find purpose. As I said, we found that purpose of searching for him and seeking. I prayed hard to say, God, give me a family. Give me a church family that we can go to. My parents have been great in my life, big influence in my life, and have been there for me, but I needed something else. I needed something more that would fill that, that lost feeling in my, in my heart. And God put, was ready. He was waiting for me. He was waiting for my family. As I said that I dealt with anxiety and, and even some depression, um, my wife, she's, she allows me to share her testimony as well. She dealt with it just as bad. And it was to the point that I would say that we were unsure of, of our relationship because I didn't know how to fix it. I didn't know how to help. I didn't know how to get her out of a rut. And going back to that time, it was tough for us as husband and wife to be able to fight through it. Um, she was in a bad spot. Um, she lost her father back in 2015 to a car wreck. Um, some of it, I think she will admit, that was maybe postpartum after having our girls. Um, but I we came frustrated, uh, not only together, she felt like she couldn't make me happy and vice versa. We couldn't work it out. But God had the perfect plan right at the perfect time. 2017, you know, we found this church, and we found people that rallied behind us. And then during that time, I started to go to youth, as I said. And then Megan started going to youth about a year later, helping out as a volunteer. And she'd come once a month. And, you know, we were consistent. That's about as much as she could handle at the time. And um, shortly after, though, we had a, a young girl. Um, it's actually Caitlin Spearman that told Megan, I want to see you next week. And an 18-year-old girl, I watched God light a fire in my wife. And I said, what, you know, what in the world is, is happening? And I seen a fire lit and a purpose made. And she gave her life to Christ in 2019. And, and sure, you know marriage, you got to work at it. And it's tough. But from where she was at then to where she's at now is unbelievable. It's, it's incredible what God can do looking back at it. And I want our youth as a vision to get that groundwork laid now. Don't wait. I waited 10 years to try to figure it out on myself, thinking that I knew it all, thinking that I was invincible. And... Pastor Joplin, he gave a sermon years ago about a time clock above your head. We've got a time clock. Some of us may have 80 years. Some of us may have 40 years. Some may have two, you know. Maybe this next year is the time that uh, we may go. We don't know. We do know that God's in control, that God has a plan for each and one of us. 1 Timothy 4.12 
It says, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. I have so many friends that, you know, when we grew up, I told you as much games as I played, the baseball diamond was my sanctuary on Sundays, just plain and simple. Uh, but I, my dad, um, he instilled in us to pray. And, and I've got friends who are not far in their faith that remember us praying before each game and praying, but I've still got those same friends that I played ball with that says, well, I'll wait to go to church until I graduate college. I'll wait to go to church until um, I get married. I'll wait and have kids. And then once I have kids, I'll, I'll bring them to church then. That's the enemy speaking. It's the enemy wants you to wait. The enemy wants you to be patient. And that's not what God wants for us. God wants us to, to live in our prime, have that for, uh, firm foundation in him, and set an example. And so for the youth in here, there's nothing that you can't do that through God. You can be the example. You can pray for anybody here that is struggling with something, whether it's an associate pastor, whether it's myself, whether it's our senior pastor, Joplin, whether it's a deacon. You can step out and step into your faith and know that God can use you um, wholeheartedly. And so, Chris, if you want to go in for closing, as I said, our vision, we're excited about it. I, I want um, the kids to know here that the Bible's going to be taught, the truth is going to be heard, and that that foundation is going to be built to be prepared as they leave the household. And that be whether it's middle school to high school, being prepared for that transition being prepared to move from high school into uh, college or the real world, working world. We see so many kids that um, go astray and, and get lost like I did. And there's many other testimonies here that we know. I could go around the room all day and be similar testimonies and how God's moved in their life. But if we could go back and do it then, and by the grace and mercy of God that he allowed it to happen, but... I would love, and we've got so many, so many young leaders right now, a good core, but it's our time to reach that younger generation. We've got a high school over there that I've heard things that never dreamed of, of beliefs, of, of just tendencies of rejection of, of, of the Bible itself. And I've always respected, you know, FCA. I respected that when I was in school. And now it's just an uh, outcast. And it, it, it hurts. It hurts to see that. And so it's our time to be brought up as leaders, to get our faith right with God, to be bold about it, to be bold, not afraid, to be inspired, to be encouraged, to be encouraging to others, maybe your peers, maybe to your family members. It doesn't matter. Just be bold and know that God that God is in control.